0: Oh God, battle belongs to you More time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prison Now
1: guys. Good to see you today. Good to hear you, too. Uh, Enjoy uh, worshiping worshiping together. Uh, For those of you who are with us on Facebook and YouTube, we miss you guys. Hope you're doing well, wherever you're at. Uh, Today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just kind of pause in our time of worship, and I want to worship God just by sharing a few words, a few things, and then I want to lead us in a time of special prayer. The first thing I want to say to us is that, uh, one of the things that we do in our family is oftentimes, well, I say oftentimes, pretty much every day, uh, uh, when my wife and I eat, or my wife and my kids and I, we eat, uh, we always sit around the table and we ask, what's your rose, what's your thorn? And uh, the reason we ask this question is because in life, uh, oftentimes there are roses, there are really, really good things, but sometimes there are also uh, thorns. There are things that are difficult, things that are challenging. And uh, and it's important for us to be able to acknowledge both. When people don't acknowledge the thorn, that's not really healthy for them. Uh, and when we don't acknowledge the rose, that's not healthy either. Uh, to be healthy people, we, be able, we need to be able to see and acknowledge both. Uh, in this last week, we've seen a couple of really good things that I'm encouraged by. There are a number of people who've had COVID who are doing much better. Uh and and for that I rejoice and I'm sure some of you do as well. Nathan, you're back with us. Glad to see you today, buddy. Uh he's supposed to be in quarantine still, but no, I'm just kidding. He's he's out of quarantine. Uh I, I actually nudged elbows with him today, so he's safe you can do that, uh if he'll let you. But uh, but there, uh, this last week, uh, and also Matt, you know, we've been very concerned for him because of his struggle with myelofibrosis, having a suppressed immune system, not yet able to get the vaccine and exposure, and, uh, and he tested negative, so he's doing well, and that's, that's something to rejoice over. Uh, and one of the things before we go into prayer, I want to share with you a few things that are very, very difficult. But before I acknowledge those things that are difficult, I want to remind you of what is good. Uh, because we need to remind ourselves that our God is great and awesome. Okay? Our God is great and awesome. There is nothing he cannot do. Our God is the one who spoke the word, In a, and I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it, a billion, trillion stars, the entire universe, everything we can observe, everything that we cannot observe, it was created by his great power. Our God is great. Our God is awesome. Our God is holy, holy, holy. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, not three gods, one God, three persons, not one person. But our God is holy, holy. Holy, Uh, our God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Our God is righteous. He is righteous in all of his judgments. And God does have to judge sin because he is holy. And so our God is righteous and he is righteous in all of his judgments. But our God also loves sinners. And he shows grace, and he shows mercy, and he shows his love to all who will humble themselves before him, repent of their sins, turn and believe in him. And so, just want to remind you of those things. Uh, this last week, there are a few things that happened that just weighed heavy on my heart. Uh, I read a couple of articles this last week about what's happening in Afghanistan, uh, the advance of the Taliban, the collapse of the Afghan government, and uh, as I was reading this, uh, I came across this article from the Gospel Coalition. It was a group of pastors, spiritual leaders in Afghanistan, and these guys are facing really difficult circumstances. Uh, back in July, they were forced to register that they were Christians, and they, they did that. And uh, shortly after that, the Taliban sent a message to one of these uh, pastors, and this is what they told him. They said, we know who you are. We know what you're doing, and we know where to find you. Uh, Later that week, the Taliban went to pick him up, but fortunately he had gone into hiding, and so he's okay. Many others, though, and I'm not going to go through everything in the article because we some of it is very, very dark, but they're facing extremely difficult circumstances. And what amazed me, though, was the mindset and the spirit of worship among these spiritual leaders. Wow. You know, for me, you know, there are sacrifices in following Jesus. Uh, My biggest sacrifice is a sacrifice I face every day, trying to sacrifice my selfishness. Um, These people actually face the threat of the loss of liberty and life to follow Jesus. And these people, after this time that they had come together... There was uh, their worship leader saying them, singing the song "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God," which I think the battle belongs. It borrows a few lines there from that, and what these people were singing—wow! Closing up their time of of just thinking and reflecting and worshiping on God, worshiping God in the middle of their situation as they sing. Uh, They sang this line. The guy wrote the article. He said, an Afghan brother came, whispered in my ear, uh, Ashraf Ghani, Afghanistan's president, just resigned. The Taliban are now in control. And they sang, let goods, our worldly possessions... And kindred, our family. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. The body they may kill. But God's truth. It still. His kingdom is forever. Um, I'm I'm sorry. It just kind of grips me with a lot of emotion because I realize that, um, you know, sometimes we. We have our celebrity pastors here in America, and we write our books, and we have our conferences and stuff like that. But I think the true heroes of the Christian faith, I don't think it's a bunch of American pastors. I think it may be a group of Afghan pastors and pastors in other parts of the world that will never know their name. Maybe they're pastors in North Korea. Maybe they're pastors in China. Maybe they're pastors in Iran. But they are the ones who really know what it means to lay down everything to follow Jesus and serve him. Um, A little closer to home this last week, uh, an acquaintance of mine, don't know him well, I've had occasion to meet him a couple of times, but his name is Bill. His wife's name is, um, is Marilyn, Bill and Marilyn Brown. They pastor Grizzly Flats Community Church. And um, and they're a member of our they're one of our sister churches they're a part of our network of churches that I'm on the board with and so I got a communication this last week from Craig who is our executive director and Craig told me that you know Grizzly Flats had been burned and that many the school was burned many of the homes were burned and um, and Grizzly Flats Community Church was burned uh, Bill and Marilyn lost their home. And many in their church also lost their homes. They are suffering loss. Um, and then this week, uh, we had some people from our church family. Kathy Tyner lost her brother. Uh, we had two of our members who went into the hospital. Both of them are in intensive care right now. Uh, I had one of those is Rudy Wilson. He's got a heart issue. I will tell you this. I called Rudy yesterday and I asked him, how are you doing? He said, oh, I'm fine. That's how Rudy is doing when he's in intensive care. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> um I talked to Kayla, uh Mikula last night and Gina, her mom had to go into uh ICU on Thursday and she had to go on a ventilator yesterday or Friday. And, uh, and her blood oxygen levels were down, like way down, almost to the point where you have irreversible brain damage and damage to internal organs. The good news is this, as I talked to Kayla last night, and Gina's blood oxygen level is up significantly. So I know some of you are praying for them. I just want to encourage you to continue to pray. But what I'd like to do right now is because I know that our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are going through hard stuff. Brothers and sisters of ours in this state are going through hard stuff. And brothers and sisters in our church family are going through hard stuff. And so I just want to take a moment and I want to lead us in a special time of prayer for them. Is that okay with you guys? Let's pray. God, you are, you are great. You are awesome and you are awesomely in charge God we are one people of God one flock under one shepherd and you are our shepherd and Lord we come before you today to pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan in places like North Korea China, Iran and other places where it's very hard to follow you and so we want to pray for them God, give them the wisdom, the courage, the grace they need to stay strong in the middle of persecution, in a time of great loss. God, help them to be strong. Give them your grace. God, for our brothers, our sisters, in grizzly flats. Lord, help them. Help them to be strong and courageous in their loss. God, I pray for Rudy. I pray for... Gina, I pray for Kathy who lost her brother. God, I pray for others in our church who are also facing hard circumstances and difficult loss. And you are good. You, you, you are faithful. You are with us. You. will never abandon us and so we worship you and we pray for our brothers, we pray for our sisters that you would give them the grace that they need to carry them through what they are facing and Lord we pray this all in your name, God we know you can redeem all things our greatest hurts, our pains our losses and you will redeem it all for good you will You will recycle it for good. For the honor and the glory of your name. And we thank you and we praise you for this. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.
0: Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. And I worship you. You are here, God, healing, healing every heart. The Waymaker, the Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are the Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here. Turning lights around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, God, commanding every heart. I worship you. I worship you, God. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Sing it again, you are the way, the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. One more time, you are the way maker, miracle worker, promise people. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are, who you are. God. That is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working. You never stop never stop working, never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are the waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. One more time you are we make a miracle work, promise keeper light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Last time you are the way, we make a miracle work, promise keeper light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. That is who you are, that is who you are, that is who you are, that is who you are. Heavenly Father, this morning we declare that to you. God, you are the way maker, God, the miracle worker, promise keeper, the light in the darkness, God, as we have all come from and have heavy things God carrying into this this last week, God, I pray that you will um, remind us of that, God. That no matter what happens, God, we can we give it back to you, God. The God who spoke this earth into existence, the God who speaks life, the God who heals. God, this morning we declare that and we worship you, God. We thank you for this church and the chance to come and the chance to sing, God. The chance to be together um, in person or online. God, we just uh, we declare all of these things to you this morning, God. We worship you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat.
2: Good morning. Welcome to Solana Valley Church. We just appreciate you for being here, and thank you for joining us. And a special hello to you at Facebook and out on YouTube, all the viewers there. Uh, first thing, we want to encourage people to connect in groups. Pastor Gary is, going, uh, is currently holding a men's group that meets Monday nights here at the church at 7 o'clock. And Carolyn Skinner has a women's group that meets by Zoom, I believe, at 6.30? 6? Anybody know? Seven. So at 7 as well. Um, and so you can contact the church uh, if you want more information about how to join those groups. Um, Oh, actually, Karen's is Tuesday nights. Did I say Monday? Okay, Tuesday nights. Okay. (laughs) Um, We also want to uh, encourage you to connect also by serving. We have many different ways to serve. Um, You can look for the opportunities on our Solana Valley Church, the SVC app. If you search Solana Valley Church in the App Store or in Google Play, you can download it for free. Uh, And so you will find there are many, all the different things from greeters to announcements to working with our children, uh, many different um, ways to serve in the church. We're very excited that we're going to have a baptismal service, and this is going to be on Sunday, September 12th. Baptism is a public profession of your personal commitment to Jesus Christ um, if you have decided to follow Christ but have not been baptized yet, we ask that you can uh, sign up for more information by the back door if you're here. If you're not here uh, in Facebook, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, you can also go to the SVC app and message either Pastor Gary um, or Pastor uh, Matt through uh, the SVC app. Uh, right now, um, we have an opportunity to worship God through our giving. And... Um, This last week, I'm not an emotional person either, but what's happened in Afghanistan as a mother of two daughters, so upsetting. And I just think, thank you, Lord, but for the grace of God. Um, We have so much to be thankful for that we don't even think about. And it's our privilege to give back. And so we have many ways uh to give back. You can give online um through our app at www uh I'm sorry, online through slash giving You can tap give on the SVC phone app. You can send a check and the address is uh 1307 Oliver Road in Fairfield, California 94534. Um, you can text GIVE, capital G-I-V-E, 707 883 3019 And if you're here in person, you can uh, put your check in the uh, silver slot in the back of the church. Right now, I would like to turn it over to Pastor Gary, who is going to be speaking to us on um, John chapter 10.
1: All right. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate that. All right, I think uh, hopefully I've gotten through my tears uh, for the morning. Um, So, we're going to be looking at John chapter 10. For those of you who are with us today, um, uh, maybe who have not been with us, uh, we've been going through the Gospel of John, so we're going to be looking at John chapter 10. Uh, And um, so, I want to introduce you real quick to my dog. His name is Watson. This is Watson, okay? He's very courageous. I know he doesn't look that way here. Uh, he's very courageous. In case you can't tell which one is him, uh, he's the dog in the middle. You see the other dogs on each, each side of him there. Uh, but Watson, let me tell you uh, a few things about Watson. Uh, first of all, he is ferocious. I know he doesn't look this way uh, in this picture, but he is ferocious. And the reason I know this is because my neighbor has a pit bull named Rosie. And Rosie is like thick and solid. I mean, she is like, um, she has a very aggressive posture, and, uh, she has the look of, uh, of a guard dog. And it's funny though, if you come up to Rosie and you start talking to her, she just turns into this great big ball of, I don't know, she just, she, she doesn't wag her tail, she wags her whole body. You know, uh, but but I know that my dog is ferocious because every time Watson sees her outside while he's inside, he barks ferociously at her. OK, so this is why I know Watson is ferocious. He also has uh, I know he looks like a little dog, but he has. Y- y'all know who Wolverine is. OK, any of you ever watch X-Men? OK, uh, you should anyway. But Wolverine, he's got like Wolverine claws. I mean, his claws are like massive. Uh, and then, uh, and then the other thing about Watson is, uh, he is, he's my Bible study buddy. So when I get up in the morning to pray, read my Bible, Watson loves to climb into my, if I don't have my Bible in my lap, he's on my lap. If my Bible's in my lap, he'll try to squeeze between me and the arm of the couch next to me. So he can be as close to me as he can. Uh, but, uh, so just curious, how many of y'all are dog owners, either own a dog or have had a dog? Okay, how many of you, maybe you don't have a dog, you're, you have a, one of those other animals. I think they're called cats. Uh, so, if you do have cats, uh, but many of us, you know, your are pet owners. Now, I, I, I want to know the truth. How many of you talk to your your pets? Okay. Anybody talk to your pets? Okay. It is funny. I'm seeing a few of you raise your head like this on this one, okay? Uh, is that we have a way of talking to our animals because our animals have a way of kind of like uh, they own a piece of our heart, don't they? They kind of own a piece of our heart. And so I will talk with uh, Watson in a way. Let me put it this way. I wouldn't walk up to Eric and start saying, hey, buddy, how are you doing today? I just don't do that, okay? Now, he does that with me, which is kind of embarrassing, but I'm just kidding. Uh, but you, you get it, is that sometimes we, we have a way of talking with our animals. And this is not something that's new. In the ancient Near East, it's very, very interesting. Um, in the West, uh, when we shepherd sheep, we typically drive sheep, maybe with dogs or with, uh, you know, and in, in we'll drive sheep. in In the ancient Near East, the ancient Middle East, they would not drive sheep, but they would lead their sheep, and they would also talk to their sheep, and they would name their sheep. and in in what would happen is is uh uh it in in the ancient Near East, that oftentimes, if if the shepherds lived in a village, they would have, close to the village, they would have a sheep pen or a sheep fold that was built with rocks that would go all the way around it, and sometimes it was connected to a house, uh, so the house would form a wall, or it would be built next to a hill, so the hill would be one of the walls. But it would only have one gate, and in the gate, there would be a gatekeeper, but all the shepherds would bring their sheep into this one uh, this one fold, this one sheep pent. And then each day what would happen is that the shepherd would come and he would begin to call his sheep by name. And so let's say we have, you know, we have this first shepherd and he comes up and he calls his sheep. The other sheep will not come to him. They won't come, they don't know his voice. They don't know, uh, they don't know the shepherd. So only that shepherd's sheep would come to him and he would lead the sheep out to pasture. And then the next shepherd would come and he would call his sheep and his sheep would come out and then the next shepherd. And this is part of the context of a little bit of what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at what John chapter 10 tells us about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. But before I dig into this, again, it's like, and and I know I'm spending a lot of time here on context, and the reason I'm spending time on context is sometimes we will read a passage of Scripture, we know very, very little about the context, and so we read it. Sometimes it just blows past us. It's like we don't even grasp what we're reading. So a couple of things that, that you need to understand about sheep and shepherds and shepherding. Uh, in, in especially in the Bible. In the Old Testament, God is often called the shepherd of his people. Uh, we see this in places uh, like Isaiah chapter 40, uh, where the Bible says, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He, God, tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And so what we see here is we see God is the shepherd of his people. We see this again. Uh, We see it again in Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, verses 11 and 12, where the Bible says this, For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered sheep when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. And then perhaps the most famous passage where it talks about God as being the shepherd of his people is the 23rd Psalm. And my guess is a few of you could probably quote it with me. But in the 23rd Psalm, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so as we read in John 10, and we read about Jesus being the good shepherd, we need to understand that he is saying something very special about himself. That as God was the shepherd of his people in the Old Testament, Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd of my people. Uh, Again, another thing that we need to see and understand about the context of sheep and shepherds and what the Old Testament teaches us and what Jesus is going to say to us in John chapter 10 is this, is that oftentimes God is spoken of as being the shepherd. But oftentimes in the Old Testament, when we read through the prophets, they will name the, the political leaders and the religious leaders of the people of Israel. As shepherds, But it's interesting as you read about these political leaders and as you read about these religious leaders, often what you read about uh, Israel's leaders uh, as shepherds is a message of judgment. And so we see this again and again in and, and just a couple of places. One place we see it is Jeremiah chapter 23. I think some, some of you maybe are, have recently read through Jeremiah who are reading through the Bible right now. And you may recognize these verses from Jeremiah chapter 23, where God says this. He says, woe to the shepherds. These were the political and religious leaders of Israel. He says, woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people, because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them. I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. Again, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 34 uh, God denounces the rulers, the shepherds of Israel, for not shepherding his people well. And, and, and the Bible says this in, in Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, says Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? And he goes on and talks about how they victimized uh, God's people. <sighs> something that we need to understand from the scriptures and something we need to understand from reading the daily news is this. Oh. <laughs> I, I I thought I'm I'm hearing the Bible somewhere. <laughs> yes, Lord. What were you saying? Uh, so, so in uh, is is it in, in the news? In the news, um, oftentimes there there are two kinds of leaders you'll see. Some leaders are what I would call a friend of mine likes to call greater good leaders. These are people who are in leadership not for what they can get out of it, but what they can give. They're in places of leadership for what they have to offer other people. But there is another kind of leader that we often see. And we see this, we see it in the, the political world, we see it in the business world, we see it in the entertainment world, we see it in the church world. Is some people are in places of leadership for what they can get out of it. They're in it for the prestige. They're in it for the power. They're in it for for themselves. And not really what they can give to other people. And so as we look at John 10, we need to understand a little bit of this context of how the Bible talks about sheep and shepherds and leadership. Otherwise, we might miss some really important stuff that, that Jesus is saying to us here. So if you open up your Bibles to John chapter 10, uh, something you need to know about John chapter 10 is it uh, comes right after John chapter 9. Okay? I know y'all probably that's something you weren't really thinking about today, but it comes right after John chapter nine. And actually what is happening in John chapter ten is exactly where Jesus leaves off in John chapter nine. This is part of one conversation. Okay? This is a sometimes we look at chapter divisions in the Bible and we fail to understand that this is this there's no break. There's no break. Yes, there's a chapter break, but this is a continuation of a conversation. In John chapter 9, this is kind of what's going on real quickly, just for again for context. Jesus performs a miracle. He sees a guy who is born blind, and his disciples ask, Hey, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither this man sinned, nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of my God might be displayed in his life. And then what Jesus does, and we talked about this last week, he does something really crazy. Is he spits on the ground in the dust. And he takes the dust and he takes his saliva and he makes a little paste with it. I don't know how much you have to spit to get that, but, you know, he did this. And then Jesus takes that mud, that little paste, and he puts it on the blind man's eyes and he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when the man obeys and does what Jesus says, the Bible tells us that his eyes are open and that people are shocked. Some people are like, hey, you know, this guy, he used to be blind, but now he can see what happened. Other people are saying, oh, no, 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 this isn't the man. He just looks like him. And the man will say, no, I'm I'm the guy. I'm I'm, I'm the dude. I'm I'm, I'm the guy who was born blind. I'm the, the, the guy who couldn't see. And so he's brought before the religious leaders. The religious leaders are like... And by the way, Jesus did this on the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus just liked to stir up trouble, I think. You know, he would routinely do miracles, heal people on the Sabbath. In fact, as you read through the Gospels, on at least seven different occasions, the Bible tells us that Jesus healed or was healing on the Sabbath. And so the religious leaders are like, hey, this guy, I mean, he... No, this he's a sinner if he did this. And no, this didn't really happen. And, and so they the man says, you know, asked the man what happened. And the man tells him what happened and how his eyes were opened. And they didn't believe it. So they called in the man's parents. The parents said, well, yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. How he can now see, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age. And basically they said this because they were afraid of being excommunicated uh, from the synagogue. They call in the man again, amen. again the man says, hey, this this is what happened, uh, and Jesus healed me. And so in this whole process, the leaders get really offended by the man who had formerly been blind, who had been healed. And they excommunicate him from the synagogue. And Jesus hears about this, he goes to the man, and then he speaks to the... Um, uh, to the, the the Pharisees who were with him, and Jesus says this. He says, "For judgment, this is chapter nine, verse thirty-nine. For judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind may see, and those who see will become blind." Now, some of the Pharisees who were with Jesus heard him say this, and they asked, "Well, we're, what are, are are we blind too?" And Jesus said, "If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But you, uh, but now you claim." but now that you excuse me but now that you claim you can see your guilt remains verse 1 chapter 10 this is the very next words the exact same conversation the exact same people but Jesus changes the metaphor he goes from talking about being blind he goes from using a metaphor of day and night and he uses a new metaphor of sheep And shepherds. In chapter 10, Jesus says to the the Pharisees, He says, very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Okay? So you build the sheep pen, you put your sheep inside. Why? Because you want to protect them. Who are you you protecting your sheep from? You're protecting them from thieves. You're protecting them from robbers. You're protecting them from wolves or other predators or wild animals. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I call my dog Watson. The moment I say Watson, his head turns. He, he, he knows his name, and he knows my voice, and he follows me sometimes. <laughs> the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has when, when brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him. Because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Verse 6. Interesting. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. What's going on? Uh, I'll I'll tell you what I believe. Okay? Do my own personal study. uh, Also reading a little bit from others who've also studied the text. Some more than I have. Uh, But... I believe that what's happening in this is this sheep pen um, is um, that that Jesus is the one who comes to the Jews. And some of the Jews follow Jesus and some don't. Okay? Who follows Jesus? Those who are the sheep of Jesus. By the way, uh, sometimes we think calling someone a sheep is kind of like an insult. Here I think it 's meant to be a good thing it 's kind of like when David says the Lord is my shepherd he 's not saying he 's stupid, but he 's saying that the Lord is his shepherd it 's a good thing to have the Lord as your shepherd in these sheep they follow Jesus they follow Jesus out of Judaism and they follow Jesus into uh, uh, in, into uh, the, the 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 faith. Uh, that we would call Christianity today. And, and so, what, what, in, in, <laughs> okay, this is what happens when I try to give you too much context. Uh, remember how I talked about the sheep pen? And there were many sheep from many shepherds in the pen? And the sheep come and they follow the, 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 the shepherd? And we talked about how there's a gatekeeper who watches this? What the shepherds would do is they would take their sheep out of the village, and then they would take their sheep to pasture uh, up into the hills. And in the hills, they would have another sheep pen, another sheepfold. And this pen was different from the pen that was by the village. The pen in the village had many shepherds. I, I in 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 um. It says, the one who enters the gates, the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens the gate, uh, the, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep uh, by name and leads them out. Okay, this is one scene. This is a sheep pen by the village. But now, Jesus is going up as a shepherd would, leading his sheep to a new pasture, to a new, uh, to a new sheep pen. Verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. See the transition? See the change? He was a shepherd. Now he's what? He's the gate. Real quick here. In, in John, there are all these I am statements that Jesus makes. I am the bread of life. And I will give life, eternal life, to all who believe in me. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. And now he says, I am the gate. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. (laughs) Who's before Jesus right now? The Pharisees. All who are before me are thieves and robbers. I mean, this. just understand that... Things get really ugly later in John chapter 10. You understand why. Okay? All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. They've not listened to them. I am the gate who enters enters through me will be saved. Underline those words. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Okay, so, sheep pens, sheep folds, the sheep fold by the village, the sheep fold, the sheep pen up in the mountains. It was usually built, stone wall, went around a circle, only one entrance. Oftentimes, there's no gate. And so what the shepherd does is he lies down. He lies down in that gate. Very, very interesting. <laughs> I I heard the story. I can't remember where I read it. But I heard the story of a shepherd in a sheep pen like this. And there was a sheep pen and... Um, and, and this man who didn't know sheep and didn't know what it was like to lead sheep and what it was like to care sheep. And he sees the sheep pen and he says, he says, where's the gate? And the shepherd said to him, I am the gate. That the practice of these shepherds would be that they would actually lie there. And the sheep would go through the shepherd. And when a predator came, a wolf... Or other predators. They had to go through the gate. They had to go through the shepherd. And the shepherd would protect his sheep. This is what Jesus is saying. I am the gate. There is no entrance other than through me. And all who enter through me will be saved. And they will come in and go out and find pasture. Uh, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus offers fullness of life. Verse uh, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Oh, again, remember those I am statements? I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will have eternal life. Remember, he said, I am the Uh, the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk into darkness. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Now he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Clearly a reference to, to the rapidly approaching crucifixion of Jesus. And four more times, Jesus is going to say, I lay down my life for the sheep. Um. Verse 12, the hired hand, who's not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks, attacks the flock, uh, and scatters it. Uh, the, The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The sheep mean nothing to him because they have no value to him. For the shepherd... They're everything. They're his life. They they are everything. Verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. There it is again. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Real quick, what is this? I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. Throughout the scriptures, uh, we, we see that in the Old Testament, that God raises up a people. He raises up a people, a nation. And he raises up this nation through a man, Abraham, and his son, Isaac, and his son, Jacob, and Jacob's sons, that become the nation of Israel. In Genesis chapter 12, it was always a part of God's plan that he would not just bless his people Israel, but he would also bless the nations through uh, Abraham. And in, in, um, in, in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham to leave the land where he lived, to leave his family, to go to a place that God is going to show him. And God tells Abraham, he says this, Through you, all the families all the peoples, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And this is ultimately a, uh, a reference to who will come through Jesus, the seed of the woman. Uh, I've done a series on Genesis before, but, but, but Genesis tracks the seed of the woman from, uh, from Eve through Seth uh, to Noah, and then from Noah through Shem to Abraham. And then from Abraham... Uh, ultimately, the New Testament picks up and traces him all the way to the to the seed of the woman, Jesus, born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit and and so this ultimate blessing was never intended to be for Israel only but for the nations uh, in isaiah chapter fifty six uh, in isaiah fifty six uh, the scriptures talk about uh, God talks about how uh, he that he's going to go out and he's going to seek after his exiles, but he will also bring together from the nations those who believe in him. Uh, in in uh, Ephesians chapter two, the Bible tells us uh, about this what what Paul calls a mystery, that both Jews and Gentile are one people in what God calls the church, uh, the uh, the worldwide. Uh, family of God, all true believers, whether they're in Afghanistan, whether they're in North Korea, China, the United States, wherever they are, anybody who has truly put their hope in Jesus to save them. And that we are the people of God. And so what what Jesus is saying here is that I have other sheep among the Gentiles who are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock, not two, one flock and one shepherd. Jew and Gentile. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down in my own accord, voluntarily. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And when Jesus is saying that He will lay down His life, by the way, this is, uh, theologians like to call this substitutionary atonement. Okay? Our vicarious atonement. It's the idea that Jesus laid down his life, died as a sacrifice for you, for me. Died as a sacrifice for my sin and your sin. So that we might be saved and we might, uh, we might be a part of God's family. And then what Jesus says here, he says, um, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. That that Jesus doesn't see himself as a victim going to the cross. Jesus voluntarily laid down his life. Jesus had real authority in, in, I think it's in Matthew chapter 26, I can't remember, somewhere in, excuse me. Yeah, I think it's in Matthew chapter 26, uh, but it may be somewhere else. Anyway, uh, it's in the Bible, okay? Uh what, what what happens is those who are going to arrest Jesus come to Jesus, and, and the Bible tells us that one of his disciples that we know from a different gospel is Peter, pulls out a sword, whacks off the ear of Malchus, uh, one of the servants uh, of the, the high priest. Okay? And my guess is he wasn't trying to cut off his ear. My guess is he was trying to give him a part right down the middle of his head. Uh, but he, he takes off the ear. But what Jesus does is he says to Peter, "Put away the sword." I could, at this very moment, if I wish, call down twelve legions of angels to defend me. Now, I don't know anybody know how many soldiers are in a legion? It's about six thousand five hundred. About six thousand five hundred. Okay, it was it was it was like an army. All right. And I think in its zenith, if I remember correctly, under Augustine, excuse me, under uh, Augustus Caesar Augustus, uh, he had they had twenty-eight legions. Now imagine twelve legions of angels. You know, on one occasion, one angel. The Bible tells us in Isaiah, also in I believe it's in uh, Second Kings under Hezekiah, one angel uh, killed a hundred. If I remember, one hundred eighty-six thousand. Um, uh, uh, Assyrian soldiers now you, you put together 12 legions of angels Jesus is not a victim Jesus lays down his life willingly the Jews were not in charge the Romans were not in charge Jesus was awesomely awesomely fantastically in charge on the day he went to the cross He went to the cross, not unwillingly, but willingly. Jesus had real authority. Jesus had authority to lay down his life. Jesus had authority to take up his life again. Now, the Bible tells us that that in other texts of Scripture, that that the Father raises him up. Uh, Other places, it tells us that Jesus takes up his life, which is true both. Father and Son always working in perfect harmony. As you read through the Gospel of John, this will, you will see this. Jesus says over and over again, I always do what the Father does. And so Jesus, really not a victim, lays down his life, but then takes it up again. Verse 19. The Jews who heard these words again were divided. Interesting. We, we see almost the exact same phrase in chapter 9. They're divided. They, they just don't know what to think about Jesus. They don't, they don't know what to do with Jesus. Many of them said, He's demon-possessed. He's star-craving mad. He is insane. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? All right, whole lot of stuff there, real quick. Let me just talk takeaways, real quick. Number one, as there were false shepherds then, the religious leaders, as there were false shepherds then, as there were false teachers in, in Paul's day, there are false shepherds and false teachers in our world today. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful. Be careful who you listen to. If you're listening to people on the Internet, on the radio, on TV, be careful who you listen to. Every once in a while, somebody will talk to me about something that someone is saying on the radio, on the Internet, on TV. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. That person claims to speak for God, but I'm pretty sure that person is getting rich. off people. I'm pretty sure that person is in it for themselves. Now, I don't want to call people out. I don't. I don't. But, but there, I, you see it over and over and over again. You will see celebrity pastor after celebrity pastor after celebrity pastor. And it's not just celebrity pastors. But you will see people who suddenly something comes out and you learn that a man is having sex with a whole lot of different women in his church. Or someone's getting like really, really wealthy. And, and, and what I'm saying, and, oh my goodness, in the political world, I guarantee you, there are a lot of people who are in it for the power. They're in it for the prestige. They are in it. They're in it to be prosperous. And what we have to do is we have to have wisdom, real wisdom. And we need to be careful who we listen to. In, in, in Jesus' day... It was the religious leaders. In Paul's day, the false teachers. In our world today, still false teachers. Second thing I want you to see in the text is Jesus is the gate. All who enter through him will be saved. That through Jesus, every single person who humbles themselves before him, who repents of his sin or her sin, can be saved. God wants to save you. God wants to save you. All who enter through him will be saved. Will be saved. Number three, uh, whereas um, the false shepherds come to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus has come so that we have fullness of life. By the way, some people say this means that God wants you to be really, really rich. That's really interesting because Jesus says to a couple of people who want to follow him, he says, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. you know what that means? He was homeless. He's saying, are you really willing to sacrifice everything to follow me? Because if you're not, you don't really want to follow me. This is not a promise of some kind of financial prosperity. And there are a lot of people preaching the prosperity gospel, and I tell you, they're preaching a lie. The kind of fullness that Jesus is talking about is spiritual blessing. You know, it's funny. I I believe our brothers and sisters in places like Afghanistan, places like North Korea, they understand this better than we do. We live in such affluence. It's hard for us to imagine being happy. And being absolutely destitute and poor. And yet most of the first century Christians were, by our standards, enormously poor. Now, that doesn't, I'm not saying that God wants all of us to be poor. In the scriptures, it's not about being poor and it's not about being rich. It's all about following Jesus. It's all about giving him first place in every aspect of our lives. And when we're doing that, we experience fullness of life. The abundant life. This is not just a life of an duration in, after we die. This is a life of fullness the moment we're born again. And we put our hope, our faith in Jesus. Number four, Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Again, the substitutionary, vicarious atonement. That, 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 that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for all who believe in him. It's because of his sacrifice for my sin that I don't have to endure the wrath of God, and neither do you. Finally, fifth thing I want you to see in the text is this, is that Jesus voluntarily laid down his life. He was not a victim. He vol- voluntarily laid down his life with authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. What I want you to recognize and understand is this. At no time, there was never been a time where Jesus was not Awesomely in charge. You understand what I mean by being awesomely in charge? What I'm saying is that he was in complete control. Now, I don't know about you. I kind of like sometimes feeling like I'm in control. Do you ever feel out of control? Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm a bike rider. I'm a bike rider. When you're going down a really, really... Steep um, uh, road, and you hit a little bit of gravel, and all of a sudden I think I'm going to hit that tree. Then I hit the tree. Okay, I hit it hard. All right, this happened in Rockville uh, a long time ago. Still got a bump on my leg. Um, you know, the thing is, is that I like feeling like I'm in command and I'm in control. And, often, and the truth is, we never are, but God always is. Jesus was and is awesomely in charge. Jesus is the gate, all who enter through him will be saved. Jason, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come on back up. Uh, Jesus is the gate, all who enter through him will be saved. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came so that we might have life and have it to the full. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And Jesus, by his authority, laid down his life. And Jesus, by his authority, took it up again. Let's pray. God, you are great, you are awesome, you are good. Lord Jesus, we praise you, we worship you, we thank you for being our substitutionary atonement. The one who died as a sacrifice for our sin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Through faith in you, we can be saved. That that that. thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, that in you, we can have fullness of life. Um, thank you for being the good shepherd. Who has laid down your life for our sin. And God, we praise you. Because you took it up again. Lord, we worship you today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
0: many reasons, too many to count, to say that I love you, God, or to worship you now. Your love is perfect, and your heart is kind. I'm yours forever. Forever you're mine. Jesus, the anthem of my heart. Jesus, the anchor of my soul. I'm overwhelmed by all you are. Go oh, how. beloved and you call me friend your grace says I'm worthy you welcome me in now all that I long for God and all that I need to be in your presence forever i fall at your feet sing jesus jesus the anthem of my heart jesus the anchor of my soul and i'm overwhelmed by all you. Oh, Jesus, the anthem of my heart. Jesus, the anchor of my soul. I'm overwhelmed by all you are. Oh, how I love you. Faithful to the end. God, you are always good. And where do I begin? There's so many reasons to love you. Your promise never breaks, your beauty never fades. What else can I say? There's so many reasons to love you. Jesus, the anthem of my heart. Jesus, the anchor of my soul. I'm overwhelmed by all you are. Oh, how I love you. Oh, Jesus, the anthem of my heart. Jesus, the anchor of my soul. I'm overwhelmed by all you are. Oh, how I love you. Sing, oh, how I love. Oh, how I love you. One more time. Oh, how I love. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.